All right, welcome to another episode of Behind the Human. I am your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, I'm speaking with John Fitch, who dances between design, engineering, and conversations. He co-founded a business called Committed to help people commit to practicing a book's core ideas rather than only reading them. John also believes time off leads to better quality work and talks about this on his podcast and his latest book, Time Off. All right, John, I'm super excited to have you on the show. We've got a ton of overlapping values from what I can tell from our past conversations and even just just, um, conversing before we hit record. Um, We're in a a bit of a weird, interesting space right now, given everything going on globally with uh, COVID-19. Um, and I think, you know, it's going to be a fun chat, just a free flow with what what's on our minds and hopefully help the the listeners on both shows leave here with some some good thoughts and practices and uh, mindsets to, to help along with what we're all processing together or witnessing together as we speak. So, Welcome to the show. It's an honor, Mark, and I go a bit stir crazy with too much time off, and so this is therapy for me. Thank you. And, and and actually, some of my favorite podcast episodes that I've listened to are when two hosts get to finally um, host each other in a way. So I agree. It's, it's, it's I'm I'm looking forward to it because why I got into podcasting was seeing so many others do it in the amount of knowledge they could extract, and so. It's an honor to sit um, digitally across a room with someone with a lot of curated wisdom. So I'm excited to see us uh, dance in conversation. Amazing. Well, right back at you. Um, I'd love to kick things off with just a little bit of a loaded question, but it's just to get an idea on, on who you are. So that, so that is the question. Who are you as a person or how would you define yourself? Sure. I would say I... At the core, I'm still just a, a country kid. I grew up in a small town in Texas farming. I still farm a lot of watermelons every every summer. And I, I looked beyond the barbed wire fence. I went to college. The iPhone came out. And I got into building apps. And my career in software entrepreneurship started. And had a career in starting companies, investing in them, have done some management consulting, and lately have spent my time writing a book, which I never thought I would be an author, and here I am. <laughs> uh, and the other half is coaching businesses and helping companies kind of redefine their, what I call meeting culture. So whether that's virtual or yeah. in person, just the art of capturing room intelligence, because I think it's easy to forget that when you're collaborating with a team, that team's wisdom is way, way more than just yours. And sometimes we, we forget that and, and helping people unlearn. So yeah, background in software. And then I got forced into learning the importance of time off, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, on this podcast episode. And I decided to put that knowledge into a book that comes out in May. And so I, I help companies relax, be calm, and get back to their child's mind. That's how I would summarize it. Ooh, I love that. Love it. 
Well, and very fitting, obviously, given what's happening right now. And even just you describing, you know, the the meeting culture and what takes place in meetings and whatnot, I can only imagine you must be thinking about how that topic is being discussed right now or where essentially the entire world has been forced into uh, virtual meetings, right? Correct. Yeah, last week I hosted a large, it was kind of meta, it was a it was a facilitation gathering of other facilitators and a lot of question marks were, what do we do now, right? Most of these people's careers mm-hmm. are around the art of gathering in physical places and that's the worst thing you can do right now at this time. And we were still able to get the deep human connection. And I think there was actually some new things that came out of being forced into hosting that many people virtually. But it's an exciting time where I think we're all being forced to unlearn some things and redefine how we work, why we work. And that can be scary, but I think it can also be leaned into. Yeah. Well, I know for me, it's it's definitely been a time of you know, the word that, that I would use is just focus and not focus in the sense of, of crushing a to-do list. I mean, focus in like focusing on the things that really, truly matter to me personally and kind of putting in some serious constraints, obviously, and in, in what that could look like has helped focus in on where to be uh, very present and where to put the attention. Um. So in, in that sense, you know, it's, it's been, um, that's the positive side, obviously, uh, you know, and I'm sure I can speak for, for you as well on this. Like there's, there's some serious, um, scariness going on and people losing their lives around the world. And we don't want to, uh, at all discredit any of that. And, and our, our thoughts and prayers are out to, to everyone, um, that has been affected on that level. We're talking about a completely different level, but for me, you know, that's what it's been. It's been, you know, just being essentially, I, I was traveling back actually from Texas uh, last week, uh, right before things really got crazy or I wouldn't have gone. Uh, so I've been in self, self-isolation self over here in Canada for, for seven days and I've got another seven to go, which I think doesn't really mean anything because it's not like there's anything to do or or or, or I should be around anyone anyway. So Essentially, we're all in a self-quarantine mode. How have you been? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, well, <laughs> this is great. I, I was curious in in some of this alone time. Um, has there been any signals surfacing for you? You 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 said very well. Right now, where we're focusing, and to your point, it's not a quantity of things getting done. It's more of what really matters. What is the thing? that I should be checking off. Has there been any changes there for you or is it still the same items that maybe you started with at the beginning of the year? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, the, th- I think the same items are there, but the prioritization of those items have shifted. I mean, ironically, you know, where you were chatting about uh, time off coming out in May, um, I've started writing a book as well, uh, specifically around reflection and and how to how how people can implement a a journaling practice in kind of a modern day 
uh, routine or society and take the weirdness out of that and guide people with the questions um, from a lot of the, the podcast guests that, that have left reflective questions. And that was just something that, you know, I've been working on here and there and trying to fit it in wherever I, wherever I can. Whereas now it's, it's, it's a daily thing, <laughs> you know, I'm writing daily about it. I'm working on parts of it daily. Uh, and it's become probably, you know, 50% of my time while doing, a, you know, still doing some client work uh, that was ongoing. But then other things like <clears throat> thinking about a mastermind on just, you know, rewiring your mind or reflection and how you can, especially right now, just given, um, you know, when you're isolated like this, the, kind of your worst enemy is is your mind if it's running narratives that are not helpful for you. So how can we stop that narrative and, and whatnot? So a lot of that stuff has been shifting in, in my mind personally. Yeah. I, I've been thinking that because people are now quarantined at home, I know that what jump-started my journaling practice was finally, through a lot of trial and error, knowing when was the best time for me to journal. And that became a part of my morning practice that is, quote, at home. And mm-hmm. when, I, when I've been forced to travel for work, Prior to all of this, my journaling repetition went down. And so I correlated that environment was, or not was, but is important for me in my journaling practice. And I'm wondering if that sudden environment change where people, instead of rushing out of their house to get to work on time because of their commute, that now they're finding some reflection time. I don't know. That's a hypothesis. I hope yeah. that, that, that it's true because I think environment change is one of the best ways to change behavior at least for me that's been true and so i'm, I'm hoping that yeah. reflection has been a byproduct of, of what we're being forced into right now i hope so as well because i think what can happen and whether it's journaling or meditation or exercise like whatever the practice is i think you know since we're i was i was going to say allowing us ourselves but i mean it's it's a forced allowance obviously but you know we're we're allowing ourselves let's say to dive into new things or try things that we've heard about you know over and over again and just you know air quote haven't had the time and what i hope is when when things when when the new normal comes up because i think normal as we saw it before has shifted or it has to shift in 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 some capacity so whatever that new normal is uh, whenever that that comes up and we start you know going back out again and whatnot what i hope is that people have had enough time to see the benefits and feel the benefits of let's say a journaling practice or like I said any of the other ones that you that you may have tried and then now now that you've felt it are able to force fit it into your routine in a way that works because that's my whole message with this is that especially when it comes to reflection um, or journaling because that's all it is in my opinion it's sometimes I, I avoid using the word we're journaling because people have, uh, and, and myself included in the, in the past, have definitions of what that is, right? It's, it's, right? it's sitting down, candle lit, like writing in the diary about the boy at school type thing. I, I've gotten that several times when we first started our journaling app. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I, I'm talking about the, you know, the people that we're following or reading their books or listening to their keynotes, you know, the questions that they're asking themselves. 
Like that's the reflection part for, for me. And when you think of it like that, it doesn't matter what, whether it's pen to paper, whether you're using an app, whether you're just ref, like thinking about the question, whether you're on the subway or like wherever it is. So, you know, for me, when, when people get back to that, that normal or the, whatever the new normal is, how can we inject those moments of reflection in our routine so that, you know, we still, we keep up with the benefits that, that people are getting now, for example. Yeah. Well said. I think this new normal, that's a beautiful output perspective because I've been thinking about on a macro sense. I remember so many times speaking with my grandparents that had experienced the great depression. And it's amazing mm -hmm. that that moment where the entire world had a synchronization around a very terrible situation, but decades and decades later, it formed their psyche, right? They were more, conservative yeah. it's you know salt to the earth it's take care of your local community all of these things that they were forced into doing was in a way branded until the rest of their life and i when i look back at my life i was i would always ask myself after they told me stories what's what's my great depression and 911 i guess i could maybe say that but i wasn't in downtown manhattan like i, I didn't really yeah. feel that i i have CNN newsfeed still in my memory, but I didn't really feel that. Whereas right now I'm feeling like this is that moment that even when I'm 70, 80 years old in the future, I'm going to be remembering what we had to do to make the most of this. And then I hope that I can use language to your point of the new normal. Like my grandparents said, oh, that was the Great Depression. I hope that decades from now, I tell my grandchildren that this was the Great Transition and that's what we're mm. that's what we're experiencing to 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 your points of a of a new normal. <laughs> I've got a funny anecdote that and this is like sounds simple but I think it summarizes the beauty of what what's occurring on a personal level for some people. There was this uh, woman on our big fa uh, online facilitation workshop where all of us were just saying, "All right, enough of the scary where we ha you know, we have to figure out new ways to to make ourselves relevant." let's all talk about some positives. And so we had a, um, a, an experience called two for all, which is a liberating structure. It's basically you partner up with two people, then those two people partner up with other two people. And the next thing you have a group of eight and you all discuss what surface it's a socialization framework. And we did that. And okay. she was my partner and she was like, I had a chore that was on my to-do list for like 18 months. And today I did it in 15 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, awesome. Like, like, that's interesting to me. Why do you think it took you so long? And she was just like, I had to be forced into unsubscribing from my morning commute, like running my life, like my identity, it's who I am. I, I shift all my behaviors around it. Whereas all of a sudden it's literally just pulled from underneath me and I'm sitting there reflecting. And all of a sudden that one important personal task she could do it. Um, and it only took 15 minutes, yet it's set there stagnant for that long. And so um, I like that story because the question is, what has been stagnant that shouldn't be? I think that that's um, helping us yeah. all answer that question. Totally. I, and I love that. I love that notion of unsubscribing from X, whatever, whatever that thing is, right? That forced unsubscribe. That's, uh, that's powerful. It, it makes me, as you're saying that too, it makes me think of 
like there's a lot i mean there's enough happening already right now in the world from like actual physical uh situations right of of travel and this and that but i mean the whole idea of like going to the next level of like what in our mind do we need to be unsubscribing from like what relationships what stories or narratives um are happening or that are could even be coming up live as we speak now because there's just so much so much changing um it's not even by the day it's by the hour right or or even faster at times it's um so it you know to me like it, it when you said that it made me reflect myself like what is there something in my head too that i need to uns- unsubscribe from mentally to clear up some real estate so a i can feel better and and b see the next step forward mm. You know, Mark, I have a a journaling practice, actually, which you may find interesting around this topic. And I call it fleeting FOMOs versus real FOMOs. And FOMO Mm -hmm. meaning fear of missing out. I'm sure people are familiar with that. But I just list out because FOMO is a real feeling. Like I feel it every hour, all the time. It's there, especially if if you use social media, like you see a lot of things going on that you could potentially get involved with. There's a lot of stuff. And I try to, instead of run from those FOMOs and shut them off, it's actually assess them and try to parse out which ones are helpful and which ones aren't. And fleeting FOMOs are the things that they sound really, really good on the surface but they're, they're usually fleeting things like, oh, that happy hour happening at Thursday at two, or this one webinar that everyone seems to be liking and subscribing to on LinkedIn. These are things that are like, they're always coming, they're fleeting, like there they are yeah. uh, in front of you. And then next Tuesday, they're gone. And there's another one on the way. And, and you have those in, in your mind. And it's important to write those out. But then there are the real FOMOs, which to me, I identify with the question, asking yourself, what are the things I'm truly afraid of missing out in life? And you'll find that that. both of those, the fleeting and the real ones, they all live in the same part of the brain. I'm not a neuroscientist. I couldn't tell you exactly where, but they're, they're there. They're swimming around in your mind and giving you a bit of anxiety. And so by listing them out and then basically saying, which ones go on the left, which ones go on the right, the left being the fleeting, the right being the real FOMOs, which is a pretty short list usually, that everything gets easier once once you have that list of the things you're really afraid of missing out on in life, because then it makes it much easier uh, to deploy that word no. And uh, that journaling practice has helped me, A, alleviate that fear inside of like, oh, I want to do all these things Mm -hmm. to finally stepping back and go like, no, what I'm really afraid of is this. And those other things, they're sexy distractions. So how do you, how often is this like a a daily or weekly or monthly practice? Because I love that idea of just pulling it out of your head, right? So you can kind of see it clearly on the page and then answering that important question. And then away you go, like just, mm. just doing that, just, just, just pulling those things out of your head. Part A is, you know, almost therapeutic in, in a way, right? Yeah, totally. So on, on a John Fitch level, that's done uh, once a month. I've always been super okay. inspired by the, the book Essentialism and this whole concept of a personal offsite. I have this little cabin where I, I write and I just make sure that once a month I'm doing it. It's kind of an oil check uh, for 
for my attention. And that's on a personal level. I use it very frequently on a social level. So whether it's, it's with my partner or I'm on a trip with some friends or I'm back home uh, on the farm with my family, there's several moments where people are like, what do we do? Uh, Like we're arguing over what we might, how we might spend our time as a group. And I find by being the facilitator, by deploying this, you can actually do this in a group setting. So like, Hey everyone, let's like, what, what, what are you, what are we all afraid of missing out on uh, really versus like, what are some of the things that are keeping us distracted and and making us feel a little anxious? And so I do that. um, I would, I would say several times a month in, in certain social moments where there is a lot of energy where people aren't able to make a decision. I find that that exercise could be used in a group context too. Love it. Love it. I'm hogging all the questions here. I want to. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Yeah. So the one I, the one I like to ask, because I think a lot about this is for you, Mark, what is the most meaningful thing you still do that makes you feel childlike? Like you're still a kid, what activity, or maybe it's a few of them. I'm just that, that, that inner yeah. young Mark, what, what practices or rituals bring that to you? That's a great question. Um, a couple things come to mind on the physical side of things and just getting outside something I've done since, uh, since I was a kid is just mountain biking and being in a, in a city like Toronto, there are trails, but it's not, (laughs) I mean, it's by no means a rural area. So when I do get to get like, when I, take a a yearly mountain biking trip which is supposed to be uh end of june of this year we'll we'll see how that pans out because it is in the u.s and michigan um i i know whenever i get out there like it's just i love your 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 terminology of a personal offsite, and i i feel like that's what i feel like when i'm on a, a trip like that usually there's a few of us and there's the only focus, the only priority is to eat, sleep, and breathe mountain biking. Like we're riding all day. When we're not riding, we're talking about riding. We're talking about the day that just passed. And yeah, sure, you know, sure, there's some check-ins at home, what's going on, and, you know, some work check-ins. But for the most part, it's just pure joy in, in a singular focus. And if I think of, you know, childhood, and even having a, a four-year-old at home, I mean, th- that's what it's all about. It's just single tasking on one thing that is making you feel great at that moment, essentially. Mm. Right. Mm. And the, the other thing that's a little bit more, I would say, uh, con- consistent or more frequent in my life. Um, and, I, you know, I started probably when I was in my early 20s is actually journaling or not even journaling. I would just say that early morning time that's just for me um and that is at least sometimes i do it on the weekends but i for sure five days a week um where i'm up typically before everyone in my household and you know back when i was going into a a co-working space to do my work uh often turning on the lights over there and before that when i was in the corporate environment 
again, turning on the lights in the office. And there, there's, there's nothing that gives me more gratification than doing that because switching the lights on typically means I'm usually an hour, an hour and a half before I see another human come in. And, and that, again, it's not some days, you know, I would use that to get ahead on something, but 90% of the time I would use that time to uh, ask some powerful questions like the ones that you've left so far and just dive into, you know, like what's floating around in my head and, and just start the day off feeling um, like I've got a sense of control right out of the gate before anything comes my way. And even to this day, like that, that feeling, and even when all everything was going on with, uh, with COVID-19, like that kind of rocked the routine a bit. And my wife was actually sick, not, not with that, but, uh, which then meant, you know, I had to obviously look after and, and give some love and support to my four-year-old. So that started rocking and I could feel it right away, feel it when I, when I, wasn't taking that time or I just couldn't at that, at that point and had to refocus or, or shift it to another time in the day. So, you know, long-winded answer, but even in this current time, just feeling the effects of having to change that around, I know how important that is in, in my life. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And I, I was hoping for a long-winded answer because <laughs> what, what I found in, in putting the book time off together is if I ask someone, what do you do in your time off? Or as I like to say, like, or as I like to ask, what is your rest ethic? These are things that I have the curse of knowledge because yeah. I've been so deep in the work that I've been trying to challenge myself to ask different questions that, that get to a deeper level of, of what I'm hoping to, to get an answer from. And so I found this like, when are you the most childlike question? Essentially, now I have my answer to what is Mark's rest ethic? It's those you, you have a range, right? You have a very active form of time off of meditation where you got to pay attention. Yeah. Otherwise you're off the bike and you're breaking your ribs. <laughs> and so you exactly. have to, you have to be single focus, your full on attention. And of course there's some physical benefit to staying in shape, but then you have on the other side of the spectrum stillness in the morning before the rest of the world's coming at you. And, uh, from a, from a digital, uh, place, just that's me, uh, clapping right there. Uh, applauding you for respecting that rest ethic uh, that you have. And I guess the second question I have to build off of that, Mark, is what value has those practices produced for you? Oh, wow. I mean, the the morning, uh, let's call it mental fitness, because that's, that's the way I talk about nice. it in relation nice. to physical fitness. So the, the, the mental fitness, I, I just can't even imagine... Well, a, I, I don't know how I would, how I would process even what's going on in the world right now. Um, it's it's gotten me through the toughest of times, but also the most happiest of times as well. So it's um it's just something to slow down and and really dive into some gratitude and appreciate kind of where things are at right now. I, I think that the biggest value, John, honestly, is that it it forces me to come out of any type of autopilot I might be in at that time. And, you know, besides what we're in right now, typically, as soon as you step foot outside your house, like everything is pushing against you to put you on like those people movers at the airport, essentially. Like it doesn't matter what it is, your job, your 
like everything around your environment typically is forcing you into this this mode of where you're almost not even thinking like you're just you're just reacting and everything's kind of flowing um not in a good way <laughs> in the sense that you know you're just you're just jacked up so fast moving at just incredible paces and and just kind of surviving in the world that we're in so though that hour in the morning is is a way to avoid that and also a way to and here's the value is the way to kind of pull out to 30 or 40,000 feet and see what's happening kind of in a in a slow motion so that throughout the day because when I don't do this I I have noticed I'm way more um reactionary with really everything whether it's conversations relationships tasks things that come up versus being having that microsecond before reacting and it being able to see kind of the next play or you know providing a different response or, or reacting personally with my own emotions in a different way mm. and i think all of those practices do that you know and, and the, it's not prescriptive for me journaling has been the, the staple but i you know breath work meditation those have been pretty big ones in my life but i think you know for people listening what's key is is just like physical exercise you know people might be listening that are avid runners that you know running will put you into these flow states and help you relax and all of that but for someone else it's like the complete opposite that that could be the couldn't be the 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 that could be the worst thing to to put them in so it's it's no different when it comes to your mental fitness is just finding the things you know list out five or ten things that you know if you do no matter what puts you in a state of of happiness and then you have this list or this toolkit essentially to go to at any point when your mind is in a different uh, state. So, yeah. So anyway, that, that again, a long-winded answer to the value, I, I think, it. is just increased self-awareness and um, being able to kind of own the morning of each day. I had to learn this myself, and it was not easy. But it is a contrarian point of view that I now have that I have attempted to summarize into a book. And that is an idea that our most important work happens outside of work. Because we're, we're out of the industrial age where each one of us is a cog in a wheel. Those things are being automated and will continue. Whereas the beautiful elements of creativity, empathy, conversation, freestyle, these things that we don't even know how to fully describe that is a absolute core part of humanity is what is unique about us. And we can't write a machine learning algorithm or any other AI technology that can replace how you and I are just freestyle conversation right now. And so yeah. what I mean by that is when you are taking time off from your work to mountain bike, to do the, the morning journal practice, there's, you're opening up an entirely new channel for your creative process. And there's science behind this called incubation. You've been exposed to things. You have your to-do list. You got your strategy sheet. You got it all mapped out for what you're going to achieve with your business or your art project. Good. It takes a work ethic, no doubt. But then you need time to let your subconscious and all of these things that we've yet to fully graphs from a neurological science perspective, but we know that it's there 
we just can't fully describe it yet, where by, by stepping away, by pressing pause, parts of your brain are like working for you. They're hooking you up. Like while you're on that mountain bike, ripping a left turn on a, on a hard turn on, on one of your trails, like, well, yes, that's what you're doing in that moment. But what's also happening in that moment is parts of your brain are coming up with a better strategy for your next mobile app. And, and it doesn't, you don't feel that, right? You don't, you don't necessarily feel like it's cranking out, but later on that mountain biking ride, there's that light bulb moment, that epiphany, that aha. And to me, that's this beautiful thing that we were gifted with is that by not paying attention to one thing, your brain's really paying attention and, and coming up with new connections uh, that you couldn't just force by sitting down at a desk. And so I, I, I'm excited to, to know that you have these practices because that's where I honestly believe your best ideas will be generated. And that's, I think, the value that's left for humanity in, in the future as we automate more and more mundane things. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, it, it's on the long kind of slow grinds up the, up the hill on the mountain bike where all those ideas uh, start popping up. So it's, and it's funny cause you hear about these all the time, right? Like you, you hear people, Oh yeah, I've got the idea in the shower or on a, on a long run, but they're almost, it's like people know about that, but then they're dismissed. Right. And you're kind of right back into full blown, like crushing it, um, get as much done mode. But I think you wrote this, I wrote this down, you know, many of the greatest minds in history knew about the importance of time off and, there's, you know, just writing a book on reflection, there's just so many examples of that, like great leaders mm. taking time to think and, and process, right? Because to your point is, we have this unbelievably complex and smart thing sitting on the top of our shoulders, that if we just give it a bit of space, uh, can really produce miracles and wonders, right? Yeah, there's a there's a question. And it, I, I'm just going to throw a lot of questions because I know you love the art of, of questions. <laughs> and one question that's helped me in a journaling practice is, and I think this works for anyone that is a bit of a type A achiever, metrics driven person, is even if it's once a month, just assessing your current project inventory and asking yourself, is all my hard work actually working? Because- Oh, that's great. Yeah, I I see so many people that have way way more intense work ethics than I do and I applaud that. I respect it deeply that someone is willing to put in that effort and that grit to do it. But it really sucks if if they're doing it and they don't even know that the water bucket has a hole in the bottom. And just by asking that question, you can ob- objectively assess, "Hey, I'm busting my ass on all these things, but is it actually moving the needle?" And I found that most of the time when I ask that question, I not only get one no, I get a bunch of no's. And then great, you, you now are in a place of renovating what it is you're doing versus to your point, running on autopilot, which it'd be, it'd be, it'd be a waste. It's a tragedy if you've got mm-hmm. all this work ethic pouring in and, and nothing's actually happening. Uh, I mean, I obviously really agree. And it's... Um... It's it's funny because even myself going through this process of writing the book, it, it's one of the chapters or sub chapters is is something to the effect of like when did when did silence or just taking time to think become like 
a strange thing. You know, it's like it's bizarre if you're going to take time to, you know, take a walk and just think about whatever you're working on or 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 nothing at all. Like it's just become strange in in society, which I'm curious to see again like as we process through what's going on right now in the world and there's there's that forced downtime in some capacities um what that will do as we come out of it right mm, mm. it's so interesting that comment it, of it being a weird social norm now it kind of reminds me this is the flip but i remember reading the the book uh, i think it was titled shoe dog on the found like the whole backstory of nike nike yeah. and yeah, and I remember one one of the things that I remember vividly from the book is that before Nike built Nike, people were not used to seeing people run on the street. Like people thought something was very wrong if You're you right. were running on the street. And I and I hadn't because I grew up, you know, Nike was already a thing or it was a startup at that time. Um, I'm I'm 32, and so. Um, I saw a lot of people running growing up and it never was a thing, but yeah. it's funny to think about that. There was a time where like, Oh my goodness, is she, is, is he, is she or he okay? <laughs> like they're running. Um, yeah. whereas now, now it's like, yeah, look at that weirdo sitting there at the airport writing in a journal. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, that's totally. one of the most ancient practices that's ever existed. But it's funny how we've uh, forgotten that. Sorry. I just wanted well, to, it, it, it yeah, think no, about it's, a, that. it's a great example. And it's, um, it's just the narrative we we put behind it. And I'm glad you mentioned at the end, like it's, it's not like, you know, when it comes to journaling, we're not inventing this. It's been around for thousands of years, uh, meditation, like all this stuff. Right. So it's, it's just changing the narrative, but even, even the running, I remember it's funny when you, you said that it, I, I got images of pitching investors. Cause I had this slide when we had the app that closed off and it was just a, an image of, uh, People magazine, and it was like 1970 something. I'm, I'm 35, so around the same age. Um, and it just had Jane Fonda and some other actor. And the cover, the caption was, "Come along, everyone's doing it." And it was, it was subtitled like "Jogging the New Craze" or something like that, <laughs> right? So you know, to think of that now, and if you think of it, here we are 2020 and a lot of the stress in the world right now, given this, this kind of shutdown is people's gyms are closed and you're, you know, people are posting live streaming exercises, you know, classes and get running and stuff. Like, it's just not even, a, it, it's just shifted so much. Right. Mm. And I feel like mental fitness is there. Uh, I, I think journaling is maybe about two or three years behind where meditation is uh, mainstream at this point, but it's, it's coming along. And I'm not surprised because it, like you've just dropped so many great reflective questions, but if you start really listening to other podcasts or again, reading, you know, books like shoe dog and whatnot, they're, they're just littered full of these powerful questions that if you take a few minutes to think about can, can completely change your life and you know and we have a lot of the answers to the to the problems or the the questions that we have we just need to take a bit of time to to your point let them incubate a bit in the mind right yeah i think it's i mean again let's let's try to focus on the silver linings in these pretty odd and and challenging times and 
I love that you've been a, a champion for such a long time on this. I'm just going to call it the art of reflection. And right now there is a global reflection happening yeah, and you're right. we can't, we can't run from it. It's right in our face. Um, and it's, it's interesting to do the right thing uh, as a societal member, you have to now subscribe to solitude and that's being forced upon people. And I think one of the beauties that is going to come out of that is people are going to start asking themselves those harder questions that they they hadn't done, not because they didn't want the answers to it, it's just that they were distracted, you know, distracted yeah. by oversubscribing to too many cultural dogmas or just, you know, being overly micromanaged, what, whatever the case is. And this is me connecting a dot in real time that I just feel like sharing uh, with you and your audience and, and my audience as well is, so I mentioned that in, in my professional life, uh, one thing I do is help companies like redefine their meeting culture. And mm -hmm. one of the, and this is free advice and it will transform all of your meetings. Um, I call one of the enemies of effective uh, meetings is groupthink. And that's when <laughs> people just, you know, there's an interesting question, 10 people are in the room, the extroverts hijack it. And it's those four of the 10 that are extroverts and they kind of define the whole conversation and narrative and outcomes yeah. <laughs> of that meeting if there even is outcomes. And uh, it's just called the take five method that I use where I say, all right, everyone, as a facilitator, I'm holding space. Thanks for, for being here. This is our, our big topic, or this is our big question that we need an answer to. Again, that's subjective to your situation. And you say, well, now we're all going to individually take five minutes in silence, library rules, and you're all going to just have out a piece of paper or your tablet, and you could write it out you could sketch, you can do whatever you are draw a diagram, but we're all going to respect each other's introvert. And you're all going to write out what you think the answer to this question or what you think the opportunity is to our problem. And then we'll socialize it. And it's just mm. five minutes. And it is a game changer because it levels the playing field. The introverts yeah. get a chance. The extroverts <laughs> realize that most of the time their idea is actually shit because they were forced yeah, exactly. to write it out. Um, and, you know, and it, it's an amazing thing that um, I didn't even think about until now that what I'm doing in that moment as a facilitator is introducing people to kind of reflection 101. Um, and, and it's beautiful because each person's genius gets some quiet time to actually cultivate versus, oh, who can just speak the loudest and the fastest, which that just waters yeah. it all down and no, no one really wins. What I love about that too is just, like even if you if reframed it and you said something, it might fly right now because it's picking up. But if if you said something like, "Okay, we're gonna take five five minutes to journal," it's like that just changes the context. Versus, you, I need you to just write out what you're thinking, the solution to this problem. But it's journaling, right? It's reflection, right? So it's again, it just it it comes back to the narrative on showing mm -hmm. the the value of taking some time to think. Hey, it's Mark. Just want to take a few seconds to first thank you for listening and offer a free one-on-one 30-minute -on -one virtual mental fitness coaching session with me. Okay, so what's the catch? It's literally three minutes of your time to provide a review of the show. They are so important. So the first three people to screenshot the review and DM me or tag behind the human on Instagram will get a message back from me to set up a time for a session. Thank you so much and back to the show.
So on that topic, John, I mean, you're, you're launching a book. Um, you're probably not the only one right now thinking of, you know, how things have changed or the, the way we're living right now, like how to pivot and, and what's going to change. Like, I'm just curious from your perspective, like what, what are some of the questions or what have you been doing to, I guess, take in the environment change and keep things rolling um, to the point where you're satisfied? Mm. I think in a weird way, I, 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 I feel terrible that this is happening. I have endless, endless respect and humility for the people that actually work in healthcare that are going into the eye of the storm. Yeah. I, I, I think about that every morning and I'm just, I feel like a coward um, because there's people that are just going into infected places. Um, so I, by no means do I, if, if this could all change and if I could wave a wand, I would do it, but it's here. And to your point of like Ryan Holiday's stoic mindset, like what good is coming of this? And mm. prior to 2020, my entire adult life from when I was in college up until the end of 2019, the amount of friends and people that were all in conversation saying like, the system needs to change, you know, everything from climate change to the education system to how we uh, sustainably harvest food, you know, the biggest topics that we face as humanity, the amount of times that I heard the, the phrasing, like, we just need a, a meltdown, or we need, you know, some massive change that the earth forces us into, like, people have been wishing this, at least in all totally. my circles and conversations. And so there's a there's a part of me that, um, and this sounds odd, I and mean, hopefully people can see what I'm trying to, to translate through the symbolism. I'm like, hey, our, our prayers were answered, you know, like here it is. Like we're all literally reassessing and having to redesign and prototype things by the second. And it's like a global reset, um, it's a global reset. And one of the things of that reset that I'm excited about that through the lens of my book time off is that my co-author and I have both worked extensively in AI and and what I mean by AI is artificial intelligence and just seeing the pattern of a lot of mundane work that I think uh, is what makes people want to escape from life because they've, they're, they're being treated like a gear and a wheel. Um, that's going away. And so what's left is um, knowledge, creativity. And I think we're going to enter into an era where each one of us can actually embody this whole idea that you are your own enterprise, that you are your own startup. And, you know, we, we're seeing the early workings of the knowledge economy um, and some of the greatest times in history from ancient Greece to the, the birth of, you know, the scientific era. That was all a lot of people being knowledge workers. They didn't call it that at the time, mm -hmm. but it was people like literally hitting reset a lot and rethinking our relationship with the universe. And what the output of that is, is really big ideas, paradigm shifting ideas, not 10% improvements, but like 10x improvements. So I um, am excited about the timing of the book because people are now working from home. They have more autonomy. And I think each person is going to start realizing the value that they truly have, even though it's scary economically, 
they, they, they reassess their own toolkit of their own ability to generate ideas and to come up with awesome work and projects. Um, and everyone has an opportunity to, to reassess who they are as a, as a knowledge worker, uh, to, to put it simply. And a, a big part of being an effective knowledge worker is having a rest ethic. It's, in your case, knowing that you need to mountain bike, not because it's just good for your body, but because you know it's important for the quality of your work. So is your journaling practice. These are things that people are going to have to learn because in the old paradigm of factory worker mindset, your, your boss wasn't giving you that time off to, to tweak yourself and to refine. Whereas now you have an opportunity, each one of us does, to, to define that. And our, our book is just a, a practical guide on many, 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 many examples of macro and micro time off practices that gift you that cr those creative breakthroughs that you're going to need in this new economy that is very dynamic and more and more automated. I love it. I mean, I can't wait. Well, by the time this is out, uh, the book will be out. So I'm, I'm excited for people to get their hands on that because it's, well, even like before this, it was so needed, but even at the same time, I think it's, it's, it's very much needed because if people, people need the ideas on like what, what's been done and what they can do. And I think going back to like, there's no real prescription on this more. So here's what's possible. Right. And that's what I really like about what you guys put together. And in, I agree. I think again, resonating with what you're saying about obviously the utmost respect and, um, and, and support for, for everyone on the kind of the, the first lines of defense of this and people going through it at a different level. But I do think there's going to be a lot of change, obviously, that's going to come from this and a lot of good as well coming out of a, um, you know, global reset, essentially. And the other thing that I've been really, that's been really great to see is just this sense of community, right? That you, you know, even though we, we can't, you know, we're deaf, we're sick. What is it? Six meters or three meters or six feet or whatever. We're, we're socially distancing, but at the same time, you know, we're, we're connecting like we've never connected before. And like that whole sense of like your neighbor's there for you type thing versus you don't even know who your neighbor is. Uh, half the time, <laughs> well right? said. Yeah. Last uh, Friday I attended four separate virtual happy hours I, there's no way I could do that in the physical context. Exactly. <laughs> both, both. I would be so wasted. I, you know, it wouldn't want me traveling around. Yeah. But from, a, from a social, I was socially drunk, like meaning I got so <laughs> drunk on enjoy enjoyable conversation because instead of getting in a car and commuting across town or taking the subway here or there, it's literally I close that Zoom meeting, I open up another one, and there I am with these people. And these tools have been here this whole time, Mark. It's just so interesting yeah. how we have to be forced into it. But luckily, we're, you know, we're adapting. Literally, we're adapting in real time. Absolutely. I want to, I want to respect your time. We're, we're running over a little bit as, uh, on our scheduled time, but the conversation is flowing. Any, any parting words on your side? I've got a ton of prompts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, um, we, maybe we just do a, a rapid round of prompts to each other, kind of ping pong it. Sure. Um, are you down with that? Yeah, go for it. Okay, I'm, I'll start. So if there was one question that our audiences, if they're wanting to get into reflection and journaling, um, what, what would be a, 
advanced basic question that they could write out and then try to answer from all your experience journaling? Easiest way to get going. And I think best bang for your buck is how do I want to feel today? That's damn beautiful. Yeah. And the, I've got to give more. I've got to give one more. <laughs> Please, the, come on. I love it. Yeah. Uh, this, this, is a, this is a good question for kind of an end of week. And I just, I find it so impactful, at least in my life and, and when I've offered to others. It's just, you know, uh, usually on a Friday, let, let's take it up for you. You're breaking before the weekend starts, but just to sit down and take five, 10 minutes and ask, you know, what did I learn this week and what was, what was great about this week? And it's, it's just a great way to, again, stop the, the, the natural progression of the week that took place and everything that happened, learn from what happened. Maybe there's some stuff you wanted to change. Um, and then you're, you know, you've, you've broken that down and you're into the weekend and you're ready to go for another week. Thank you. That's awesome. You got a, a, a ping pong question throw back at me? Yeah. I want to know something that you've been wanting to try and haven't tried yet from a practice standpoint? I have not done open water ocean swimming. Wow. I've always wanted to just to, because the ocean's so beautiful and magnificent. And there's a part of me that's like humans are designed in a way to like dance with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I see, I see, uh, surfers that are really good. I'm a terrible one. Um, and I've just always had this like anxiety and humility out there. And I'd like to, to conquer to where I know that unless, unless it's a tsunami, then I don't think anyone's going to do well out there, but just to be able to swim, even if it's a quarter of a mile in, in the open ocean, uh, I think would make me feel like a superhuman. Um, and it's been on my list for a while. I love it. Um, I got, I got another one for you. Um, if you were to sit across the table right now with, let's say your 13 year old self, and he was looking up at you seeking advice in general, what would be some of the first things you would tell the 13 version of year old version of yourself? Oh man. I think the, the main thing would be to stay curious because if I think of the last, you know, I've been curious most of my life, but I think coming out of university, kind of jumping into the regular cog, let's say, and in work environment there, I lost a lot of curiosity, even though I thought I I probably didn't. And it, it really has been through kind of leveling up these mental fitness practices and just having the, the great, um, fortune of being able to interview people like yourself and, and, and many others to actually re-kick a whole new level of curiosity. And, um, yeah, if, if I could have kept that up the whole way through at that, at this level, who knows, who knows where, where life would have ended up. Mm, That's beautiful. It's like, don't let that, that inner light that's there as a child ever dim, you know? Yeah. And you hear those, you hear those stories all the time of like anyone can relate to this, you know, the younger you are and you're at school when, when a question's asked by the teacher, like all hands fire up and then 
progressively as you go through the grades, less hands, less hands to the point where then there's only a few hands going up, right? It's just, you start being exposed to, let's just call it life, but, you know, judgments and fear and this and that. But, you know, I think of, again, going back to like a, having a four-year-old son, we're, we're, we're definitely in the question phase that there's hundreds of questions being asked a day. <laughs> And, you know, I'm not advocating that at our, at our age, but I mean, just that, you know, unbiased or non-judgmental curiosity is a real gift. Mm. Well, I, I don't have any other questions because that, that's for me a, a beautiful take home from when I think about my end of the week, what was something beautiful that happened? It's going to be this conversation and the reminder to be curious uh, going back to how we opened our chat today mark right now we're witnessing a very yeah. interesting odd time and i think it's important to be curious about it rather than fixated on doomsday absolutely absolutely ask a lot of questions and you know help others and yeah be um be grateful for for where you're where you're personally at wherever that may be there's always something there's all as you said there's always a silver lining somewhere so yeah i can't i can't thank you enough for taking a bit of time in in this in this day to, to have this conversation um i wish wish you nothing but a lot of great uh happiness and success and with the book and everything that you're doing and kind of following your own curiosity it was a, a real pleasure i look forward to continuing the relationship yeah, I'll get I'll get the the book in your hands, and if you ever need a, a shoulder to cry on, uh, from an author perspective, I'm here as you write yours, because I, <laughs> I wish totally I would understand that. I've <laughs> had it, but uh, when when the book's out, we'll we'll have you on uh, the podcast again, and I love to to go deep because the art of reflection is something that so many of us can benefit from going deeper in. So, uh, looking forward to our next one, Mark. Thank you, sir. Have the best day yet. You too, brother.